This episode is brought to you by SoftLayer, an IBM company. If you're an entrepreneur, SoftLayer has created an incredible program just for you. It's called Catalyst. Catalyst offers amazing perks to you and your company, including credits to use their servers, mentorship, connections, and marketing support. To find out more, visit softlayer.com slash catalyst. Again, that's softlayer.com slash catalyst to find out more about this amazing program. This week, we discussed how student entrepreneurs can utilize universities and their resources. We sat down to discuss Tennessee's growing startup culture with Courtney Corlew from Launch Tennessee, which is a public private partnership focused on job and economic growth, specifically within the high growth sector. Running a startup is hard. Running one outside the valley is even harder. Inside Outside is a podcast for inside access to startups outside the valley. Each week, we'll bring you real insights, raw stories, and tactical advice from founders and startup teams around the country. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Inside Outside. You're looking to startups outside Silicon Valley. My name is Matt Boyd. I'm Brian Ardinger. And I'm Paul Jarrett. How's it going this week? This is a big week. I'm in Lincoln. I'm currently in Lincoln. Um, you know, it's been a it's been a good time hanging. Couldn't out with stay away from the snow, friends. Welcome I back. Know, it's like I I, I I go to the 70 degree weather and then I got to come back to the 20 degree weather, and it's it's always fun. Where are <laughs> you? I'm, where I'm are you at? Down. Where are you at right now, Matt Boyd? I'm currently sitting in the Bulu Box office. Uh, it's a good place. I, I enjoy being here. It's what is the name of there. that? What is the name of that office in Blue Box? This office is probably the the Galactica. Is it Galactica or? We'll go with that. Yeah, you're in Galactica, as in, in Battlestar I'm in Galactica. The, uh, I'm in the and, room named after Battlestar Galactica, and I am so. in Cobra, Cobra Command at Blue Box, <laughs> named after uh, GI Joe. So the rule yeah. here is, if you want to name a room. That's fine. You can do that, but you're also responsible for keeping it clean. So we have all sorts of funny room names at Pulu Box. So, um, so what so are we what talking are we, about today? We, yeah, what are we talking about this week? We're talking about um, university students and people ready to start a startup and how they could potentially utilize the university and their resources. Students uh-huh. and startups. Students and start- so Brian, I imagine that you probably run into this or have a good kind of line on this running in motion. Um, what do you typically see as somebody that you know is a is a interested in startups but doesn't know where to start? Because I feel like we all in the startup community kind of shuffle them towards you or to Sam at UNL. Um, what do you what do you typically <laughs> hear and know about that? Part of the misconception is that Enmotion is a, a university-only accelerator, and that's, quite frankly, that's not the case. We haven't really put too many students through the accelerator. Most of the teams that have come through have been from all over the place. But um, but having said that, we do have uh, the university is a big supporter of uh, what we're doing, and so we do get quite a few students that ask about startups and you know how they get introduced into the startup ecosystem, things like that. So I think where I typically point people to is, you know, first of all, you've got to get off campus. Um, you, you can't learn startups and that by staying right. around, uh, you know, the classroom and that. So yep. that's the first thing is like here, how can you get connected into the community? And that includes anything from, you know, going to events to get acclimated to, you know, real startups and real people that are yeah. building things out that as well as just starting to build a network of folks, whether you're going to start a startup or not, or, or just meet folks that are, are doing and building things. Uh, it's right. good to start that, that network and start those conversations. I, I was going to say, I think a big misperception too, is that those people so many times are looking for um, other entrepreneurs and 
actually, they need to be looking at so many different things. They need to be looking for um, co-founders. They need to be looking for developers, finance people, um, investors, uh, mentors, advisors. And I think so many times, you know, I, I talk to um, different uh, departments at University of Nebraska and, you know, advertising to business, to um, computer science and all these different colleges. And, and I always think to myself, like, man, these, these students just need to start talking and working with each other. So I think all too many times people get in a trap of trying to find other entrepreneurs or trying to find other like-minded people, which is great, but just by simply networking and finding people with different skill sets, those are actually the other people. And I always, I always think about how amazing it would be if there were some sort of um, and some university people have heard me push this before, but if there was some sort of really amazing program at the University of Nebraska that had, um, you know, a million dollars in funding, no strings attached, and it brought together the Rake School students with the College of Journalism advertising students with the uh, business students, how amazing that would be. So um, uh, again, I think people sometimes get too caught up in finding other entrepreneurs when, when they really need to be going to events and meeting different people that fit the piece of the puzzle that they need to potentially start a business. I think a lot of times, you know, people tend to get into the, the head knowledge. I think this is what you were alluding to, Brian, but like a lot of people tend to get into the head knowledge of starting a company and they read books and they, they do all this kind of stuff. But, but in general, like in reality, it's going to take experience. So I think Brian, you were spot on whenever you said, you know, get outside the building, like go actually kind of do stuff, do some market validation, actually get your hands dirty with, you know, testing and building (laughs) and doing all these kind of things. And, and, and just step out because I think a lot, a lot of times college students tend to get in, they they read, they read these books and they think that that is an innate accomplishment. They think that that like, they're actually like fulfilling something or accomplishing something, but, but in generally, in general, they're, they're really not. I mean, it just kind of stops at the book. I think so many students are looking for the syllabus of a startup and <laughs> yeah, the reality absolutely. is you need to get dirty. It's messy. It's ugly. It's painful. It's long. It's all those things that, you know, um, uh, is the word antithesis of college. Like, you know, college, you, you have this yeah. like little compartmentalized syllabus and you do X, Y, Z and, and, and it's the exact opposite of it. It's yeah, a it's big, long, messy process. Yep. It's a big, long, messy process. And, um, the person that's on the road to success is the person that's executing and trying. Um, and that sucks because you feel like, you know, you're, you're failing for so long, but really you're just like trudging down that road of success. Um, I think so you know, that cross pollinization, like you talked about, or kind of cross discipline is so important. And I think it's very yeah, easy to be yeah. in your, in your silo of, okay, I'm at the, the business school or whatever. And all my friends are business students. So let's find three of my friends that <laughs> right. want to do that. And versus looking across, let's do uh, projections. And I, and I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think, I think what, what that manifests itself is, you know, if you don't have some world experience, um, yep. it's very difficult to find and stumble upon real problems uh, or the problems you'll stumble upon are the ones that you run into. Like, I don't know how many times I've been pitched a bar app uh, in some type of university. <laughs> right, right. university the, running, uh, the running joke there is that we're going to start a bar app accelerator <laughs> yes. right, right. just for bar apps. Yep. So, but again, it, it comes from the mindset. So, I, you know, one of the things I encourage, there are very few students that could come out of uh, a university program that are going to be a Mark Zuckerberg or, or really could lead a brand new, um, you know, high growth, scalable business. But they're business. out there. But they're, they're out, out there. there. Yep. But I, I think it could one be of you. the important things to to think about is like, hey, you don't have to be the founder right out, out of the gate. You know, what you should do is try to learn what startups are all about. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the best things to do is, you know, find an inter- internship with a startup or yep. work yep. for a startup um, yep. and, and see what it's really like. I, I think thinking, that's the key. Like, like for, from my perspective, uh, everything that I've ever known about startups is, is not generally from a, I've, I've read a lot of books um, and I've, I've done, you know, 
a lot of the coursework type of stuff, but in general, everything that I know about startup is my hands-on experience and working with Absolutely. the various companies that I've worked with. So I think that's probably the key. I was thinking about leading up to this episode, what is the... Um, uh, I cringe. I'm going to say advice, but uh, you know, like if I could, if I could, maybe, maybe it's if I could go back. First of all, I never knew that I was going to become an entrepreneur. Um, I always kind of thought yeah. I'd be in the ad agency marketing world. Maybe someday start my own ad agency. Um, but if I could go back, knowing now what I know, what would I tell uh, Paul Jarrett of you know? Oh my God, how long is that? 15 years ago? 10 years ago? Somewhere in there? Um, and. It, the, the sad truth is it would be nothing that anybody probably wants to hear listening to this podcast, but I would say drop out of school because nothing you are learning right now <laughs> is going to actually help you because, and, and that's not for everybody, you know, like lawyers, doctors, like there, there's specific kind of lear, um, 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 career paths that people need creditations and whatever. Uh, but I was an ad student, you know, so it didn't really matter. Experience matters more. Um, I would say drop out of school and go find a startup and go work for free for whoever and get as close to whoever as you can. I, I um, totally agree. And, and, you know, now I think about that. I'm like, man, if, if I was at university of Nebraska, what would I do? And, and, and I tell you, you know, the startups that I believe in right now, um, you know, it's, it's open, you know, Blake and Audi at open doors. It's David Chade at Travify. Um, it's dusty Reynolds at race note. It's the local people. And I would, I would literally, you know, maybe I would go try out an internship for a couple of weeks before I drop out of school. But if I could get close to the entrepreneur and work with them on a day-to-day basis, I would really, you know, think about dropping out of school and just yeah. following that person as close as possible. And I'm sure there's so many people listening to this cringing right now and, and thinking that's I mean, crazy. Um, but, but I think that's for me, for the less than 1% of the population, that would have been the best thing for me as an entrepreneur to learn from. I mean, I, I've told my story uh, maybe one or two times on this podcast, but I think like in general, like if, just to recap it, I think that, you know, I dropped out of school when I was in, you know, 18 years old. I dropped, not out of, I dropped out of college uh, when I was 18. Um, and just, you know, over time I, I packed up my, my bags and I had, you know, like 800 bucks in the bank in which I, you know, the 800 bucks that I made was from UI design. Um, I packed up, you know, all of the things that I owned, put it into my truck, and I, I had an air mattress in the back of my truck, and I was fully planning on sleeping in the back of my truck in San Jose somewhere. I found uh, somebody who was willing to rent out a room for 400 bucks a month, so I knew that I had, of the 800 bucks that I had, I knew that I, half of my money went to a room, and then I had at least 30 days to find... <laughs> um, Plenty of runway. Plenty of runway. So plenty of everything that you're saying, Paul. I mean, I can't. I can't. I, I totally agree. <laughs> I mean, it's what I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so I, I went to work. I was making, you know, a really good salary, the best salary that I'd ever made um, at a company. But and I'd say that first company that I worked at in Silicon Valley was uh, the the most understanding of uh, product design and a startup right. that I had ever gotten right. in my entire life. Yep. So I think that I think that you're spot on. You know, when I talk to students, a lot of times, even if you're going to go the more traditional corporate path, I often tell them it's still better for that first job oftentimes to go and find a startup because you're never going to have an opportunity to have so oh, many absolutely. hats and give so many yep. opportunities yep. to to expand and fail yep. and build and do yeah. something of influence. Um, and you can do that when you have a small team because you're forced to and you're given yep. opportunities, responsibilities that you would not have if you went the straight 
traditional corporate route. Um, yep. So even if you're planning on, if your student's listening and saying, oh, I don't know if entrepreneurship's for me, I would still consider you, uh, or still say, you know, consider uh, a startup path to learn some skills early on in your career. I think it'll just serve you longer term. And what, I mean, the what, thing that, what is interesting about that too is that like a, a startup doesn't have to be a company that raises money. It doesn't have to be somebody that's right. a technology company. It doesn't have to be any of those things. Brian, I know, you know, you, you spent some time at Nano Nation that, you know, was a growing, awesome, fun company. And, and uh, Matt, you were at iOffer. Uh, my co-founder uh, slash wife, Stephanie, and I both started at a place called The Minnow Project, which was mm-hmm. ac- actually mm-hmm. a, I don't even know what it was before, some sort of like print design, print house or whatever. But they were transitioning into an ad agency. And that was back right when, you know, MySpace was launching and, and, you know, (laughs) e-commerce was starting and, and we didn't really know what we were. So there was, you know, maybe about a dozen of us and it was a quote unquote ad agency, but we were doing everything from learning e-commerce websites to, you know, logos, um, all the way down to, you know, shooting video and, and whatever. And that was our real startup experience. And we say that we wouldn't change that for the world because we really learned how to kind of grab the bull by the horns and just execute on projects and make money. Um, so, you know, when you think of startup, it doesn't have to be your traditional, you know, like I said, Travify or Open Doors or whoever. It kind of needs to be a company that's scrappy and maybe they're in a transition or or maybe they're just um, in a growth phase or, or whatever it is. And, and just the ability to get your hands on a project that's pretty big at a young age and really run with it. I think that's the important part. Absolutely. I think some of the some of the stuff that that I worked on at iOffer uh, in the early early days uh, of my career was, uh, you, you know, iOffer when I came in they they weren't a traditional they, they were already at you know tens of millions in revenue, um, but but what I respected out of that was it was a, a completely self funded very lean team of like eight people, um, so you know tens of millions of dollars eight people whenever you do something in that company it, it is of uh, the utmost change. Whenever you do something, yeah. it yeah. changes everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, whenever I was designing product and whenever I was doing stuff, uh, I would, I would move revenue in millions of dollars. Um, and whenever you're, you know, 22 years old and you're changing things in millions of dollars, um, it's, it's kind of the, the, the crazy, like you, you look at this stuff and it's right. just like, what is, what is <laughs> happening here? Um, so, so many zeros. <laughs> it's it's like uh, it's kind of mind-boggling. So that for yeah. me, that was like that was kind of a, a mind-altering experience in which I learned the the most. Uh, you know, it was almost like throwing a, a kid in the deep end yeah. and just expecting yeah. them to swim. I think that was kind of for me <laughs> that, what it was. But that seemed a little bit like my uh, experience at Complete Nutrition, like twenty six, yeah. being in charge of all the marketing, and I was like, I, I, I kind of know what I'm doing. Um, my question, okay, so <laughs> if um, um, somebody listening to this, let's like give us an, I like these kind of like concrete scenarios. Um, <laughs> let's say I'm I'm like a sophomore or a junior in college, and I hear this podcast, and I'm going, holy shit, that's me. Um, uh, other than, you know, cause I totally understand people are probably too stressed or scared or, Oh, sorry, I'm near a window. Um, uh, too stressed or scared, or maybe their parents will cut off their funding or whatever it is if they drop out of school. <laughs> um, what, what's one thing that if I came to Brian Arding or if I came to Matt Boyd and I said, look, I want to start a company now. Um, what is something that, what is one thing that I should do before anything else? What would you uh, give that person as a takeaway? 
I'd say start building your toolkit, and that means start doing projects, maybe unrelated to that particular startup. But you know, start running things, building things. Absolutely. Whether it's you know your own website, um, whether it's you know working at a startup weekend and hosting yep. and, and yep. doing that, um, and start building that network. Um, so, and I think you both both build the network by building things. Um, you yep. know, <laughs> and you learn most by doing that. And that's really the only way I think you can learn entrepreneurship. You can learn a lot of this kind of the soft skills and, and some of the tricks and tips and tactics but at the end of the day you have to roll your, roll your sleeves up and actually build something what about I think you honestly Matt? i'm i'm going to second that from brian and i'm going to say that you know if you take that advice from anybody let it be brian ardinger because uh, he's probably the best networker that i've ever met in my entire life yep um, absolutely but i think uh yeah i mean i think like you know, get out and meet tons of people because in, in reality, y- your, your opportunities are only, uh, you know, in coordination with the, the amount of people that you've met in your life. So I think that, you know, get out and meet as many people as you can, uh, you know, open yourself up to as many experiences as you, as you can. Um, and then do, do things that you're terrified of. Yeah. I think that's what, <laughs> yep. you know, in yep. general, in, in general, I think that people, the people who succeed most in life, if you're a student and you're listening to this, uh, you know, I, I would challenge you to, to do the things that, that scare you most because Just, in general, yep. you're going to, uh, you're going to grow more than you ever thought you could have in those yep. terrifying times. Yep. At least I did. Just like, just go like just go absolutely. like I don't know <laughs> what that is it's just, just I know you're sitting there I know you're thinking about it I know you're it's like just and go like there's no clear yep. plan there's no clear path just go um, yep. I would say and I've put this challenge out to I've actually given a lot of presentations and and um, uh, whether it's to professionals or students and and a similar question like this comes up or I'll close with this and and I've yet to have anybody contact me in probably the two years, probably two years, two or three, two or three years that I've been saying it. Um, but I honest, I honestly deep down believe that this is the best thing that you can do. And it's a pretty simple thing, but it's pretty, pretty painful. And it's a pretty simple concept. And I'm, and I've probably said it before on this podcast, but I'll say it again. Um, take hundred, 200, 500, a thousand, take, um, uh, that amount of money, um, couple hundred bucks, whatever it is enough to hurt your checkbook enough to be painful enough to, you know, when, when you spend it, you actually care and it hurts and, and you might be, you, you'll think about it before you go to bed at night and, and you'll beat yourself up over it. Um, but go, there's plenty of, you know, Squarespace, Shopify, there's plenty of e-commerce websites out there that are really easy to kind of pop up in a really short amount of time. Um, yep. And go pop up a website, spend money on advertising, go buy Google AdWords, go buy something, do do whatever it is. And if you don't know how to build a website, pay somebody to do it. Again, going back to the spend a couple hundred dollars or find a partner or whatever. Um, but spend enough on a really simple e-commerce website I don't care if you sell t-shirts, if you sell rubber bands, um, you know, make something up and sell it and just go through that whole process and understand how challenging it is to sell something. Because I promise you when it's your own money, you know, whether it's on a credit card or whether it's a couple hundred dollars or, or whatever it is, maybe it's somebody else, maybe it's your parents' money. You will learn more trying to sell one simple coffee mug or t-shirt or whatever it is um, than you will ever learn in any class or maybe even any semester or maybe even your entire college career. Just that process of having, you know, putting something together, finding people, executing, spending your own money, tracking the advertising. Um, and I, I don't know if it's worth much, but if you do that, um, contact me 
contact Brian, contact Matt. And, um, we would love to give you feedback on that. I'm speaking for the group now, but, um, I would, I want to see, excuse me. I want to see that happen someday. I've been kind of throwing that challenge out for years and, and nobody's kind of taken me up on it, but, um, I'm interested in the day that somebody kind of does that and shows me that. I think that'd be really interesting to watch unfold. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I remember when I was, you know, I, I have, I had a rickety truck, uh, very, very little money in, in the bank. And I was driving to California. I took off from Memphis, Tennessee, and I was driving to California. And I, I knew that like every fill up, every little, uh, every little thing that I spent money on would take away from my time in, in Silicon Valley. But I continued on. Uh, and I think that that's the attitude that you, that you should have if you're thinking about starting a company as a, as a student or it, no matter who you are, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're 80 years old and you're thinking about starting a company, it doesn't matter. Uh, I think that that's the attitude that you, from, from my perspective that you should have is, um, no matter what, what happens, I'm not, I'm not going to turn back and I'm just going to do it. Um, that's, that's what yep. really will, uh, will kind of set you apart. Yep. And, and it kind of creates this internal hunger inside your soul that yep. makes you want to create something. So yep. Brian, you have any last? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Finish up, Matt. My bad. No, that's it. And I guess I'll I'll summarize. Um, Use the time as a student. It's you'll never have a a better time in your life with access to resources, access to people who are willing to help. Great point. And access to. Uh, you know, an opportunity to learn. I mean, you, you can fail on your face and uh, fall on your face and, and fail. And uh, it's okay because, well, you're just a student. So use that to your advantage. You know, use it to ask dumb questions. Use it to, to find that network um, and use the resources that are at your doorstep um, to the best of your ability. The true job creators now and that will continue to be for the future are those small to medium-sized businesses. So it's these are going to be the sustainable um kind of engine turners for job creation and economy as we move into the future. This is Courtney Corlew from Launch Tennessee, a public-private partnership focused on supporting the development of high-growth companies in the state of Tennessee. Well, thank you, Courtney Corlew, for coming on Inside Outside today. I am uh, excited to, to have you on. Uh, we met a couple months ago in Chattanooga at the Angel Summit. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you get started in entrepreneurship and, and kind of building the startup scene in Tennessee? Um, I have a background in marketing and PR, and I was kind of in between jobs. I just finished up working for a magazine and um, found this position. This was uh, five years ago, and it has been a complete whirlwind, but it's been so educational and so exciting, um, especially, I mean, just to be able to see the progress and the traction made to date um, since when I started five years ago um, in the landscape for entrepreneurship and innovation in Tennessee has just been astounding. So it's it's been a very exciting ride. So you, you mentioned you haven't, you didn't really think of yourself as an entrepreneur in that, but what's changed now in the, in the few years that you've been in the scene? How's that changed your perspective on entrepreneurship and, and building things? Um, I think that it's you know, it's changed in the sense of, of like from being able to see it, like from the state perspective, that there's just much more, it's widely adopted concept. And then from my own perspective that, you know, it's being an entrepreneur isn't just, you know, building a widget or, you know, making, you know, building a coffee shop. It's, it's a ton of different things. It's, you know, having an online business, it's, you know, being a consultant for marketing or PR, you know, it's, it's, it's creating, it's making, and it's doing, you know, a lot of different things. So it, it's not just one subset of something anymore. 
so you've, you've had a front row seat. So you've been involved in this um, early on when, you know, startups were just getting kind of a national kind of attention. And so you've been at the forefront of kind of this rise of the rest and this rise of entrepreneurship elsewhere. What has kind of changed in the last three to five years, in your opinion, and, and what's made for that momentum? Um, I think there's just a greater awareness for um, entrepreneurship, you know, with people like the Kauffman Foundation, um, Blackstone Charitable Foundation, um, you know, a lot of more corporate partners coming in being like, you know, we're investing in entrepreneurship and the fact that, you know, the Kauffman, they release studies every year showing, I mean, like the true job creators now and that will continue to be for the future are those small to medium sized businesses. So it's, these are going to be the sustainable um kind of engine turners for job creation and economy as we move into the future. Um, and then another kind of the second part of that is, you know, entrepreneurs can't succeed without capital. And I think there's more um, kind of on that awareness side for investors that, you know, there's just a greater flow of capital happening um, throughout, you know, especially Tennessee, the Southeast, but then the entire world, um, just people are more willing to make investments than they were in the past. And how do you see kind of building a startup in an ecosystem like a Tennessee or in the South? How does that differ than, than the, the Valley? And then what have you seen, again, in the kind of the change over the last five years in that, with, with, that, with regard to that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that people have taken the time to do their research and know that, you know, utilizing the resources through like government or nonprofits, organizations like Launch Tennessee, that, you know, there are resources here to help you grow and scale your businesses and that, um, just more people are business friendly and helping people make something. Um, I think, you know, in Tennessee, especially that we have a very low cost of living. We, um, we don't have a state income tax. It's just all around both public and private partners are pro entrepreneurship, pro small business creation. So I think that when you have those factors, you know, stacked up against like not against you, but you know, for you that it, it helps I think continue that that churn of more activity happening for entrepreneurs. So, talk to me a little bit about like how did Launch Tennessee get started and, and what uh, what was the impetus to kind of make that focus in Tennessee uh, focus on startups and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. So, in 2012, our governor Bill Haslam he created a Jobs for Tennessee plan, and part of that that overall plan included an emphasis on entrepreneurship and being the the great kind of leader that he is, he was like, I feel like this is going to sit, be well suited to sit outside of the state. So Launch Tennessee existed under kind of a previous different shell of an organization um, that was primarily focused on commercialization and tech transfer. Um, so we rebranded in 2012 as Launch Tennessee and we're kind of bestowed that like, that charge of spurring entrepreneurship across the state. And while we still focus on commercialization and innovation, it's really the innovation um, through entrepreneurship and our entrepreneurship centers across the state is really where we like, that's our main mission, our main kind of charge there. So can you talk a little bit about some of the programs and the things you've done to kind of uh, stir up that, that, uh, that growth in entrepreneurship? Mm-hmm. So Tennessee, we have a network of nine entrepreneur centers and they are spread throughout the state, both in urban and rural portions of the state. Um, kind of their number one focus is to serve as the front door for entrepreneurs in that specific region. And then the second part is to run the traditional kind of boot camp cohort accelerator programs. Um, with those, what we've really tried to f- push them to do is like use the inherent strengths of that, that specific region of the state and focus on that 
in terms of curriculum. So in Nashville, you've got healthcare and music, which have been two longstanding economic drivers of the city. Uh, Chattanooga, you have 3D printing and additive manufacturing. Memphis with FedEx and Smith and Nephew, Wright Medical, we've got a medical device accelerator as well as a logistics. So it's kind of, you know, focusing. We don't want all nine centers to be running, you know, a digital media tech program because, right. you know, that's not really going to help sustain the overall the overall goal there. So it's been very, um, very successful to see them, you know, focus on those inherent strengths of that specific part of the state. So that's really kind of, that's our main thing. We, we oversee them and, you know, we provide some funding and programmatic resources, but really they're operating on their own and just, you know, churning out graduates each year. Interesting. Now, I, the other thing I want to talk about is one of the programs that you've launched also is a, is a conference. Um, yeah. Specifically, it's in Tennessee, but it's really targeted at uh, innovators in, that, in the South and kind of drawing a national attention to uh, what's going on in Tennessee. So can you talk a little bit about uh, your conference and, and how that came about and, and what's planned for 2016? Yeah, absolutely. So our conference is called 3686, and we are in planning for our fourth year. Um, It's every June, and so this year it'll be June 6th and 7th in Nashville. And what we saw when we were kind of starting out as Launch Tennessee back in 2012 and moving into 2013, you know, we just saw that there was a void, if you will, of like gatherings, conferences, celebrations in the Southeast focused on entrepreneurship. You know, there's a lot of investor-centric events, but really nothing catered more so to the entrepreneur. So um, while we wear our Tennessee entrepreneur hat, the majority of the time, you know, we saw that, hey, let's have something in the Southeast because we're truly true believer in the rising tide lifts all boats mentality and that, you know, in order to lift Tennessee in prosperity and notoriety, we have to, you know, you have to take a regional approach. Like we're only Mm -hmm. as strong as the states around us. So we set out to create a Southeastern focused event in 2013. And, you know, as we're planning for this year, you know, it's really sticking true to the mission that we created in 2013. It's just, you know, this event is to shine a light on this, the best early stage companies in the Southeast, you know, investment opportunities, educational opportunities for them. um, And then also inviting a national audience to participate. So we've had, you know, key thought leaders, entrepreneurs and investors from the West Coast and, you know, New York. I mean, all throughout, you know, Midwest, it's we want to have a a curated, like very special national forum that people can come and see the Southeast and see what what we have here. Then also help us kind of share some best practices and see maybe what we could continue working on. Very cool. So how can startups get involved in uh, in what's going on uh, in June? Yeah, so we will be coming out with a lot more announcements, kind of first set of speakers and tickets, things like that, beginning of January. Um, if, if there's a startup located in the Southeast, um, we will be opening applications towards the end of January, beginning of February, where um, can do an open application pool where they have the opportunity to apply, to be selected, um, to be one of our Village 36 companies. And those 36 companies have the opportunity to um, exhibit, uh, have a pitch be able to pitch in front of the entire audience, have the chance to go on to win a cash prize, and then also have a lot of curated um, networking time with investors and other startups that are in the village with them. Um, but all those details will be kind of posted, like I said, towards the beginning of the year, and the website is 3686south.com. Very cool. So you've been running these events for a couple of years now. Now, What would you recommend for startups to get the most out of going to these events? Obviously, there's a lot of different uh, ways to spend time and money and effort. Why should a startup think about going to a kind of a regional event to, to network and be a part of it? 
Yeah, I think especially, I mean, I can speak to 3686. We've we've thoughtfully and like deliberately kept the attendance like numbers capped. So we have around 900 attendees because we want we want there to be that really quality time for networking. So my advice to the entrepreneurs is like go in with an open mind, like soak it all up, take advantage of all the networking opportunity and just, I mean, don't be scared to go up and talk to anyone because I feel like <laughs> especially, I mean, that's that's how the, that's kind of how the bacon is made, so to speak. You know, it's like that special time, like all those, what we like to call serendipitous collisions that, you know, maybe don't necessarily come from like a program element that we designed, but it's just those the networking over hot chicken and Tennessee whiskey where someone can get, you know, an opportunity to meet with an investor or someone that can help take their business along. Sounds great. So you've got a background in public relations and that, and, and obviously you're, you're, well, you're part of your job is to, you know, kind of talk and promote what's going on in, in the region and that. What are some kind of tips or tricks or, or uh, information or insight you can provide to entrepreneurs with regard to the PR space and what can uh, startups do to kind of get some more PR traction? Yeah, I think, you know, kind of the the best place to start is to really like hone your pitch and kind of like what's your story. Um, and the more I see, you know, it's, it's, as authentic as you can be and clearly you can paint the picture of who you are and what you're trying to do, um, the better, because then that kind of transcends across your, your PR messaging, your marketing, your social media, but then also as it relates to discussions with investors, other thought leaders or other business partners, mentors, um, I think as clearly and concise as you can refine like your message that's that's a key and so many so many people can't get it right it's very tough but if you can if you can do that you've you've really checked off so many boxes um and then taking it to social media i mean just so much traction can happen over social media i mean especially twitter and that's another great forum to find people you know whether it be like you know who's going to 3686 and you can set up meetings in, in advance like so many more people are receptive to communicating via social media versus answering you know just a cold email that they get well that's it for this episode special thanks to courtney corlew for joining us this week reach out to her on twitter and let her know how much you enjoyed the interview if you have a question for us on Twitter, feel free to reach out as well, at the IO Podcast. Also, if you have 30 seconds to spare, we would love for you to leave a review on our iTunes page. And while you're there, feel free to subscribe as well. Until next time, go build something big. Go build something big.